Andy wrote a book called The Life Plan. And he called me, he said, let's have coffee. I want to show you my book before I you know, send it out to publish. And I read the book and I said, Andy, this is really good, but it's targeted at parents and teachers and clergy people, et cetera. You need to, you need to get to the kids. And the way you got to do that is you got to train them to build a personal written personal life plan. And so he said, how would I do that? And I wrote a nice size check and I went to Root Learning, our pals in Toledo, and asked them to participate. And they built nine modules, um, taking a child through the whole process of understanding where they were in life. And we had a tagline. It was called Life Plan, A Journey of Choices, Decisions, and Consequences. Welcome to Your Next Big Project is You, a podcast based around the theme of time. Time to be able to press pause on life. Time to reevaluate what's important. Time to reminisce about where you've come from, what you've learned and what you've accomplished. Time to revisit your goals, dreams and vision. And time to remember the people in your life. That's it, my friends. If you've got time, fasten your seatbelt and listen in as we discuss opportunities for the next five to 25 years of your life. And remember, your next big project is you. Welcome to our podcast. Your next big project is you. And what a treat for me today to have a long-term friend of mine, entrepreneur, author, husband, father, brother, friend of many folks like myself. Uh, John Hoskins is joining us today. And John from Scottsdale, Arizona, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, Leo. The privilege to be here. You know, I, I call you affectionately the great Hoskini. <laughs> so, uh, and it's, it's because there's some reasons. I've known you for 40 years. We go back four decades. And I've seen you rise from your early days in sales to the C-suite in organizations to eventually building an amazing business, selling it, starting other ventures over the last decade or so. It's amazing, John, you know, I just, you know, what drives you? Because you could have packed this in years ago. You're like that Energizer bunny that just keeps moving forward and forward with new ideas, new ventures. You know, tell us about that journey. Well, I think the answer to the question of Energizer bunny is I love my job. Um, I, you know, we focus in my entire career, you know, post Xerox at Xerox was really sales function. And I love salespeople. I love sales leaders. I like helping sales professionals, leaders and people being their best. And uh, certainly joining Xerox was, I was 28. And uh, <clears throat> that laid the foundation for my corporate experience. But even prior to that, I had my own business and uh, businesses, and I started selling when I was 11 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, my dad always told us as kids, he said, if you can learn to sell, you will never be out of a job. And that's true. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what's amazing with you. It's like, like you said, the word love. Um, you're one of the few guys I know. I know if I have a go-to question, I know who I'm going to call and that's you because the I don't know anybody that loves the profession of selling. 
um, in all aspects, from helping salespeople to helping sales leaders to helping people in the C-suite that are overseeing all those important folks that are reaching clients. I don't know if anybody has got that appetite, that thirst for making a difference in the lives of people in the sales profession. So I'm curious, what are you most excited about now, John? You've been involved in a lot of things and for the work that you're currently doing, what's pumping you up right now, bud? Well, uh, as you know, I have a new partner uh, about a year ago, a guy named David Pearson, who I've known for many years, uh, going back to my advantage days. David was the channel manager from Miller Hyman, and uh, we were one of their first channel partners at Advantage. And uh, David uh, became a, an owner and uh, CEO of Level 5 Selling a year ago. And he's 50 years old, a lot younger than you and I, and He's got a lot of energy and he's added a number of channel partners. We're up to, I think, 20 plus uh, channel partners around the globe. And um, he's a terrific salesperson. Uh, he's, he's a really good uh, sales leader. He's a great coach. And so that's energized me a lot. Obviously, the, you know, the body of work in the three books um, and the related training systems I've written or co-authored. I've got a fourth book coming out, uh, Q1 2022. That will be sort of a, a, an adjunct to the three um, pieces that we've already put out. And I like the I like the writing like yourself. I, I like the work of developing uh, the products and writing uh, the books that I, I even write a few articles every year and um, getting feedback from from clients about how helpful they've found, you know, that 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 work. So it's just uh, I love the subject and, and yeah. you know, what it does for people. Yeah, that comes across every time I'm around you. And uh, even though David might be a little younger than the two of us, uh, I know from your perspective that it's a lot. When I think of the uh, when I think of the energy and the passion that you still have, uh, it's it's so encouraging. It's inspiring to guys like me. So you became an author. I'm looking at these three frames behind you here, and you said you got another book coming up. What? What uh, what motivated you to that goal, John, to write your first book? And now now we can't stop you from writing. <laughs> well, uh, we, you know, in the work that we have done so far in the in the area of, uh, of sales coaching and the frontline sales leader being a masterful coach, we we see the world in three domains. Um, there's coaching call quality, which really we believe is the essence of a great um, sales organizations. If 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 you can field uh, quality calls, then the pipeline will be quality. If you're not making quality calls, you'll have a lot of stuff in the pipeline that shouldn't even be there. And a lot of things will be stalled. You'll wonder why. And it's because the call was not that good. Um, so that's the first realm, if you will, or domain of coaching. The second is account strategy and managing the pipeline and the funnel and uh, helping people strategize you know, the complex B2B sale. Uh, the decision makers, influencers, competition, all the things you have to think about to do that. And then there's this third realm, which we call universal coaching. And universal coaching is really about performance challenges. So uh, consider a situation where maybe you're a frontline sales leader, you get a call from the back shop in operations, and they say, look, um, John, uh, Fred, your, your number one guy is 120% of plan is toxic. 
and our people don't want to work with him anymore. Well, now you have to have a coaching conversation. So there's three kinds of coaching that go on in the world of a frontline sales leader. There's coaching the call, there's coaching account strategy, and there's coaching what we call performance challenges. So the new book um, addresses communication skills. In all of these areas, there are kind of steps in sales models or coaching models that you go through. But the oil that makes those steps or those agenda of those conversations work are communication skills. And you're familiar with that because you and I came from the same background at Xerox Learning Systems. And those are communication skills that have served us well our entire life. We, we still recognize them and we see them in other people. And uh, my co-author on this book is Dan Luckett, who's a former Xerox Learning Systems guy. So um, we're coming out with um, level five communication skills and um, that'll be published in the first quarter of 2022. Wow. So call quality, strategy, uh, universal coaching, communication skills. I, I live a good amount of my time, as you know, in the wealth management world to do this. And you live not only in that world, but in many other sectors of the economy. It's really interesting to see how all of your work, everybody needs call quality, right? Everybody needs account strategy. Everybody needs to have a better understanding of universal coaching and better communication skills. And, and it's interesting to see the applicability across organizations, across lines of businesses, across different sectors of our economy, John. And, and that's really what's cool about this. So anybody listening, I don't care what type of career, if you are selling, if you have, if you've got opportunities to work on big scenarios, complex selling, multiple decision makers, influencers, gatekeepers, John's stuff, stuff, as I say, in terms of his curriculum and his intellectual property works no matter who's listening to this today from my perspective. So, John, I'm enamored with those beautiful uh, uh, frames up there of level five with the coaching and selling and sales leader. Tell us more about, uh, you know, being this level five sales leader. You know, how'd you come up with that? Well, like most uh, of our IP, Leo, it, I came up with it working with a client. And uh, my co-author on that book, by the way, was uh, uh, Dr. Richard Roof, Dick Roof, who was Neil Rackham's um, partner and co-author at Huthwaite, um, the spin selling, which is probably their, their most um, n notable uh, body work. And uh, Dick um, was was instrumental in helping us develop the level five coaching system and all of the assets that we give to the frontline sales leaders to help them develop uh, world-class sales forces. So the, the level five sales leader came about from work at Brown Foreman Corporation. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Think Jack Daniels. Um, oh yeah. They're in Louisville, Kentucky. I sure. think I pronounced that correctly. Louisville. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they, uh, I was referred there from uh, one of our first clients at Advantage, Glen Ellen Winery. And uh, we did a lot of work there with the, um, the level five model in, in their sales organization and their distribution channel. And the gentleman and woman who were my contacts in the then sales training today would be sales enablement group said, you know, we really love this five levels and it's repeatable, memorable, 
it's simple to understand. People can use it on themselves as well as use it with others. But we really need something that has uh, to do with our frontline sales leaders. How could we define the five levels of a frontline sales leader? And like most organizations, they would often take a very seasoned salesperson who was doing very well and promote them into frontline sales leadership. And that can often be a mistake. In, in fact, I've heard um, stats as high as 50% of the time, it doesn't work because the motivations are different for a sales leader. The compensation is different for a sales leader. Um, it's, it's just a different job. And they don't hand you a handbook and say, well, here, here's the guide to being a great you know, frontline sales leader. So we came up with that, that uh, five-step model. And, and the way I like to, to portray it to people is, is think about this new um, great seasoned salesperson who's real successful going into the job for the first time. And, and maybe they're even taking over the very team, Leo, that they worked on. So these are all their colleagues and peers now that they're going to be the leader of. Well, their, their first thought is, you know, if, if everybody likes me on the team, then I think they'll sell for me. They'll work hard for me. But as we know, you know, that admiration is not necessarily respect and friendship is important, but leadership is a difficult thing because you have to make tough choices and they're not always popular choices. And so being someone's friend isn't really the idea. And they soon learn that that is not a very effective approach to, uh, to leading the team. So they, they have a tendency to move into what we call the parent approach. That's second level. And the parent is kind of like that helicopter parent who, you know, puts, put their arms around people and they kind of protect them from things. And maybe if, if that person's not doing very well, maybe they'll go into their territory and sell a big deal. So, you know, my baby's not ugly. You know, these are my children. I'm going to take care of them. Well, it's not a very healthy situation in, in the business world. And, you know, they, they will tend to play favorites, um, things that, that kind of destroy the team morale. You even get sibling rivalry going on between team players. So they ultimately go, oh, my gosh, this parent thing's not working. I know what I got to do. I got to be the boss. And that's the third level. And the boss is, as you know, you know, me three stripes, you two stripes. It's my way or the highway. Let me tell you what you're going to do. Now, the problem with doing that is that when you tell someone what to do and they go do it and it doesn't work, who do they blame? <laughs> they blame you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, com they're compliant, but they're not committed. And uh, that, that's a bad formula. And, and that's probably the one where you know people say that we're having this great resignation. Uh, I've always heard you know, people join companies, but they quit managers. The boss is the manager yeah, that's micromanaging so much that people quit. They just, they don't want to work for that individual. And I think we've all had experiences in life where we've, where we've worked for a boss and it can be unpleasant. So the, the next leap up is sort of the, that fourth level, which we call the expert coach. And the expert coaches, you know, because they were a really good salesperson themselves and carried the bag and made their quota and were at the front of the room every year in the president's club, you know, they actually do know the job. They know how to get things done and how to sell. The problem with the expert coach is they tend to tell as opposed to ask. And, and the real shift for people to move from level four to what we call level five, the performance partner, is learning the skill of asking questions. And it's just like in sales, you have to learn the skill of asking questions. Well, in leadership, you have to ask. You don't tell.
Someone mm-hmm. comes to you, they have a problem. And I'm going to go back to a person we know, God rest his soul, John Franco, who I work for at Xerox. And I used to call John from Chicago routinely. I was, I was like 29 running a region there. <laughs> and I'd say, John, I got this problem. You know, so-and-so is doing this or whatever, this client. He'd start asking me questions. And it was frustrating to me at first because I was in a hurry. And I'd, one time I said to him, John, every time I call you and ask you about a problem I'm having, you don't give me any answers. You just start asking me questions. He said, Hoskins, if I don't do that and I just give you the answers, you're not going to learn to think on your own. And I'm not always going to be here for you. And I thought, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. And frankly, yeah. through the questioning process, collaboratively, we ended up with a solution on that problem that I was committed to executing. And if it didn't work, it was my problem, not John's. And so it was a, it was a great lesson. Well, I'm sure knowing John years ago, he probably put an exclamation mark on that answer to you. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> when, he, when he said when he said that to you, but yeah, isn't it interesting? Because um, in my world, people that are really good advisors, you know, are asked to become sales leaders, or you know, to run a branch, or to eventually run a market or a division, and we assume all these things from parenting to being a boss to an expert coach. That we, we assume that they got all this these capabilities, right, John? I mean, it's just. It doesn't happen in, in the way you frame this, it, it, you know, because my life and your life has been built around helping people to learn how to ask the right questions, right? How yeah. to listen, how, yeah. to, how to acknowledge, how to clarify, how to confirm. How to, it's a lot easier when you're asking questions. And I, it's just so stunningly simple. And it's, uh, it can be remarkably elegant in the simplicity, but it's deceptively difficult sitting there as you were in Chicago wanting an answer you know you got you're running to the next call or you you know i need some help right now but but the the beauty of this is that i can't help you unless i ask you a few questions and really understand the situation that much more and you you felt that you felt now you're teaching it it's it's a whole other level it's really cool to hear that you know the thing is too leo is the leader is often in a hurry as well and they've probably seen that problem before and it would be easy for them to just say do this right but again, it's not developing that individual's ability to think on their own. And uh, wow. it, it's an epiphany, really. When, once you get it, and, and it's funny because salespeople are great at asking questions. They just need to learn as a leader. That's what they need to do as well. Yeah, amazing, John. What, what's the vision for uh, your business these days, John? What, what, who are you trying to reach? I'm curious, what type of client is absolutely a perfect fit for the value that you're now delivering to folks? Um, you know, I, I, I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. I love the job of, I mentioned, you know, writing and developing new IP. Um, our focus is the frontline sales leader and helping them become masterful coaches. And we think they're the linchpin in any sales organization. And what we find in our work is that, you know, first of all, there's numerous studies, Leo, that would say if you have a dynamic coaching system in place in your sales organization, you will move the needle on revenue, margin, reduced turnover, win rates, ramp to productivity. I could go through the metrics. McKinsey, Bain, CSO Insights, Harvard Business Review, articles are, are all over the place about the power of coaching. What we find is a lot of organizations struggle with getting it done. 
And the, the major problem, frankly, it's not that frontline sales leaders don't want to do it, it's that they're distracted by so many other things. They are like the, the magnet in the organization for people wanting their time. And uh, so they're on the, the new product launch committee. They're in the compensation study. Um, yeah. Someone's asked them to come in and do a special project here and there. They're doing customer service. It's just they don't, they don't pl planfully allocate the proper amount of time to coaching and, and have a way of thinking through how am I going to spend the precious little time that I do have in a way that's going to get me the biggest return on my investment. And they generally make two mistakes. They either divide the time they have across everybody on the team equally, or they spend an inordinate amount of time with their problem children, trying to turn them around. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's a bad formula for, for how to get coaching to be effective. Wow. Well, John, this whole area of um, sales folks and the frontline sales coaches and things, we could talk about that all day. And anybody, is, again, that's in the profession uh, should pick up ideas about questioning what type of role uh, are, are you really playing as a coach and stuff. Let's shift gears for a second here because I know not only have you made a difference in the life of people in the sales industry, let's say, or people in the sales profession, but you've made a light, uh, you made a difference in the lives of a lot of other people. I remember uh, some of the work you're doing with kids and developing uh, a concept and a program around what you call life plan that you developed. And, and, and I'm curious how this came about. Uh, what are some of the proud stories of success there? Because that's not dealing with salespeople. That's not dealing with frontline salespeople. That's different. And I believe for anybody listening in today, there's a whole other side of who John Hoskins is. And I, I, I just want to hear, I want our audience to hear more about that, John. Tell us about Life Plan, how that came about. So after selling Advantage and uh, the Real Learning Company to BTS in 2006, um, I, I was 56. I wasn't really ready to retire. And I was getting antsy. And a guy that I played tennis with uh, named Andy Mecca, Dr. Andy Mecca, was the drug czar for the state of California. He, he reported to Pete Wilson when Wilson was the governor. And he, he shifted the mentality of that organization from what they used to call trail them, nail them, and jail them. And that was their approach to solving the drug you know, addiction problem in the state of California. And he, want, he wanted to go to the source of the problem. Why do people get involved in drugs and drug and alcohol abuse from the very start? And of course, you find out that it happens when they're teenagers. And so he undertook um, a process of looking into the whole area of mentoring children. And he found that by putting a, a, an adult into a child's life who simply affirms that child and says, you're a good person and you can do good as well, will make a huge difference in the trajectory of, of that person's life. So Andy wrote a book called The Life Plan. And he called me, he said, let's have coffee. I want to show you my book before I you know, send it out to publish. And I read the book and I said, Andy, this is really good, but it's targeted at parents and teachers and clergy people, et cetera. You need to, you need to get to the kids. And the way you got to do that is you got to train them to build a personal written personal life plan. And so he said, how would I do that? And I wrote a nice size check and I went to Root Learning, our pals in Toledo, and asked them to participate. And they built what was then at the time, you know, really, I thought a world-class approach 
nine modules, um, taking a child through the whole process of understanding where they were in life. And we had a tagline, it was called Life Plan, a journey of decision, uh, choices, decisions, and consequences. And there are four things that happen to teenage kids that derail them. One is they get involved in a teenage pregnancy on one side or the other. The second is they join a gang. The third is they get involved in uh, drug and alcohol abuse. And then the fourth is they drop out of school, drop out of high school. And so we built this non-denominational and, and, and open to well-to-do kids privileged in the suburbs and kids that were in the inner city and having a tough time. And you would find in all of those uh, segments of society, teenagers are really troubled. And you want to talk about the toughest sales job I ever encountered was getting kids who were on the wrong track back on the right track. So I would give you an example. I mean, I remember being in LA at a table doing facilitation and this kid said, hey, what do you mean join a gang? Said, my father's in a gang, my brother's in a gang, my uncle's in the gang, my grandfather was in a gang. You think I'm not gonna be in a gang? <laughs> you know, it, it's a tough sell, but uh, that, that, that still exists. I don't have an operational role in it, but you know, my, my hope at that point was if we could get one kid, 10 kids, a dozen kids who, 50 years from now, you know, they're, they're being interviewed on TV, you know, and somebody say, well, how did you become president of the United States? They said, well, you know, long time ago, I got this program called the Life Plan, and uh, it really set me on the right path to who I am today. So it was fun. I mean, what, 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 what kid doesn't need that? I mean, you think about it. I mean, if you come from a, a good family and there's no dysfunction, those issues of pregnancies and gangs and drugs and dropping out of school, then hopefully you're mitigated, let's say, but for those unfortunate ones, uh, boy, there's so many, so many folks to reach, not, you know, all over the globe, obviously, to help people like this. Um, and even your concept, John, of trailing them, nailing them, jailing them, you know, with, with how this came about from the research in terms of the, the drug studies and things like this, it's got a little emotional connection to selling there as well, you know, like, uh, trailing them, almost like pipeline development or building up a prospect and, and nailing them in terms of advancing sales cycles. There's so many life metaphors. You and I are always into trying to figure things out there. Uh, but that, that's phenomenal work, John. And those are the things that I, I'm really proud of that I know you've done and are still actively looking for ways to give back of your time and things like this. So the, the whole issue of making a difference in kids' lives, if, to me, has translated to knowing you as well as I do in uh, in your still commitment of a of a caring guy, it wants to be there. You've 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 always been a phone call away to guys like me, and I know other folks that that have been privileged to work with you. Always on call, twenty four seven, as I like to say. And I wanted just to touch on this for a minute because uh, you've been really close to two of your brothers. Uh, one I had the you know both I know have the privilege to know and spend some time with them for lunch and golfing and your. Sadly, uh, your older brother, George, like my older brother, Vince, passed away. Um, you had, there's a love and a caring in your family. I've seen it. And I, I believe this, this, this translates to your business, John. And so, I'm, I'm, you know, I know your wife and I know your son. And there's, it man, it's manifested back in your life. I just wanted to just pick away at that discussion for a second about the role your family, your brothers have meant to you specifically. I know you had 
sisters as well. But tell us a little bit about that and the recent loss and how that's made you think about your future going forward. Well, I think in my family has been pretty much everything that I, I was the youngest of five. Um, you know, my, my dad was a, a butcher in South Buffalo. He, he fed the steel workers. He used to say he fed the steel workers and in the, in the depression, you know, he'd say, well, hamburgers, a quarter a pound, but nobody had a quarter. And, and, um, kids used to come into the store with a note from their mother saying, can we borrow five pounds of hamburger? And he'd take a little three by five card and put it in a steel box. And uh, when payday came along, they would pay him. And so he, he had a lot of favors out in, in South Buffalo. And he, he was an entrepreneur, you know, from day one. And he really came from kind of a blue collar environment, moved up. And by the time I was in my teens. We were living in, you know, a suburb of Milwaukee, very affluent. We were probably the poorest guys in the neighborhood, but they wanted the best for us as kids. And um, I think every one of my brothers and sisters in their own right was very accomplished. All of them were entrepreneurs. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I think it's just dinner table talk at our house was always about the business. And um that just, I think that just ended up being, you know, the, my thought was, well, that's what you have to do in, in the U.S. You start your own business and you run it. So um, it's been meaningful. You know, George was like, my dad died when I was young. I was uh, 19. And um, my oldest brother, George, who passed away this year, kind of became my surrogate dad in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, then my my brother, Pete, who I'm I'm very close to, he's four years older. He and I are like Wally and the Beaver. I mean, we we grew up in, in you know Ward and June, <laughs> sure, exactly. and uh, all the characters in in that uh, that story. So um, I I just say the value set that uh, my father was an unbelievably hard worker. Um, he he only had a high school education. So did my mother. Um, you know, they they worked so hard to raise the kids and, and provide them everything they possibly could. We were never without food, never without clothing. They always wanted us to have the best of everything. It was just, you know, they talk about nurture and nature. I, I feel like I got the jackpot. I got the DNA from them. And then I also got the nurture. So it, it was a yeah. family was so and it's still very important to me. Well, I get that, John, in the, in the leave it to beaver uh, <laughs> analogy. Hits home with me. You know, we're, we're probably too old for some of the younger listeners to the podcast. Right. Say, what the heck? Who the heck Who's is that? Wally and the Beaver? Yeah. I, I hope I'm not playing the Eddie Haskell role in there. Well, <laughs> for any of you that are listening that don't know what that's all about, <laughs> Google Leave it to Beaver and have some fun with the characters that John is mentioning here and stuff. Uh, hey, John, the, uh, the principles that we're teaching now in, in our new work, um, gets into the concepts of living a life of significance and living a life with no regrets and having an abundance, which is obviously what you've done in your life. And that's all about giving your time and your talent, your treasure, as you've done with Life Plan, for instance. You, you just embody that. Uh, the issue of having gratitude. Uh, you're talking about you know having a surrogate dad like George. Uh, I, I know how much the love you have for your complete family and as well as a lot of friends. Um, people that have meant a lot to you in your life, um, issues of perspective, what you have and what others don't have. And that's why you've given back your time and your talent. I know that. And then being your best, John Hoskins, being your best uh, sales leader, being your best 
you know, guy representing in the ownership of a level five coaching company, selling, coaching to leadership skills, and then ultimately living your legacy. I'm, I'm curious, you, you've been privy to those concepts. Is there any one of those that resonates with you, John, more than the others? You know, Leo, it's a tough choice because metaphorically, it's kind of like if you're going to bake a great chocolate cake, you, you've got the flour and the sugar and the salt, the cream, the chocolate, all these ingredients, right? And if you just gave the, the flour to someone and said, taste this great chocolate cake, it's, it's terrible. You know, you, you've got to, you, it's sort of a, an integrated system. And, and the exercises that still stick with me, the one where you had us, um, you had us go through the top 100 people that meant the most. Yes lives i still have that list and i look at that list a lot and my regret if there is one is i don't reach out to those people as much as i should and you know I make that a priority where i'm going to start whether it's a, a handwritten note a quick email a phone call whatever it might be but you know that those really that really is the universe of what's very important now when david and i um established the values for the level five coaching uh, company, we, um, we have three. One is um, the golden rule, which I believe in. You know, if, if everybody followed the golden rule, we, we'd be fine. The second one is abundant thinking. And that's so important in the business world, particularly when you're dealing with people who are in a network, in, a, in a, uh, an organization, they are sharing resources, um, they need to share their successes with others and help others. So abundant thinking, that was one of our values at Advantage as well. And that served us very well. Uh, gratitude, um, you know, the notes that we wrote to people while we were in sabbatical X, I still have people who say to me, boy, that really touched me that you took the time to tell me how important I was in your life and the change that, you know, I brought to you and that, that that was important. Um, but, you know, the wheel is, is an easy thing to continue to refer to. And it, it's almost like you could pick one a week and say, you know, today I've got my value cards too, you know, the 10 value cards. Pick one a week. You know, I, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to really work on, you know, my my gratitude this week. Uh, I think I think it's it's hard to pick one that say it's more important than the other. Right, right, right. Well, you know, one of the rituals, as you know, in my program, you answer the questions. I, you know, we've come up with a lot of questions on different issues, and I was going to pick one out here with the regrets, and you've already answered it because I was going to say, what can you do today, this week, this month, this quarter to rectify any regrets? And, and what you're talking about is reaching out to people, saying yeah. thank you, the, the people that have made a difference in your life. And maybe what we can do upon ending our podcast today is, you know, I would, I would challenge you, myself, any of the listeners today, uh, who's on your top 100 list, which John's talking about? Is there somebody maybe as a result of listening to John today that had influence on your sales career or your financial services career or whatever, whatever sector of the economy that you are successful in these days? Is there somebody that had something to do with that success? I'd urge everybody today just to think about that. Maybe pick up the phone and uh, maybe it's uh, appropriate around the holiday season to wish somebody happy holidays, but also to extend gratitude and abundance as John is talking about as well. So John, I can't thank you enough. 
uh, those of you that know the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? In, you know, the lifeline, if you think about this. So in my profession, or if I, for the last four decades, and I'm sure for the rest of my life, and I hope there's another four decades ahead for us, anytime I've had a question, or if you ever needed a lifeline in the, in the profession of selling or sales coaching, I can assure you the one person you should call is my good buddy, the great Hoskini, John Hoskins. That's who I call. So John, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of blessings to you and your life. And thanks for joining us today for this podcast. Much appreciated. Remember, John, your next big project is you. Thanks, Leo. 